I'm Dr. Rachel Coakley, a pediatric pain psychologist at Boston Children's Hospital and the founder and director of the Comfortability Program. And this is Chronic Pain As You've Never Heard It Talked About Before, a podcast series developed and produced by the Comfortability Program Peer Advisory Board. The amazing teens and young adults you're going to meet in this podcast episode are here to offer up some of their best learned tips and tricks for coping with pain, spread some great science-backed knowledge, and importantly, to let people who are struggling with chronic pain know you are not alone. So let's dive in. We're really glad you're here. Hi, I'm Sophia, and this is today's episode, Let's Talk About Pain. Hi, I'm Bridget, and I'm also here joining Sophia. I'm Brooke, and I'm here joining Sophia and Bridget on this episode. Okay, so just starting off really simple, do you still get asked about your pain? Um, Personally, like, yes, I think because a lot of my pain for me happened like in that basically that like six to eight month period right before COVID started. So I saw a ton of people like while I was on crutches, while I was in the midst of like dealing with everything. And then it was quarantine. And that's where I really like for me learned to manage my pain. But then now it's like the whole world is opening up again. And you're seeing people I like I'm seeing people I haven't seen in like two years. And they're like, oh, how's that thing with your foot? Like, how's your pain and stuff like that. So I definitely like still get asked about it. But it's just such a weird situation because it's like because of COVID too. I think I get asked about it like even more by like random people. I get asked about it. Um, I would say it really varies. I it's been almost six years since I've been through pain rehabilitation. So because it's been so long, I've gone through college, I've gone through abroad, I'm now currently in grad school. So people that know me now, such as my grad school classmates, they don't know me when I was at, they didn't know me when I was at my worst in high school. So they don't necessarily ask me about my pain. However, I would say if I do reveal that to them that I do have chronic pain, I would say most people are surprised. I would say almost everybody is surprised by kind of how well I can function and manage despite the chronic pain. However, if I run into people from high school, if I'm back home, or family members will sometimes ask me about my pain. And that's really where I have to focus my energy into making the conversation a productive one. Yeah. So I would say for me, I like very rarely get asked about my pain, really. But it's kind of weird for me because sometimes I feel like people very close to me need to know, except they didn't know me when I was going through the worst of my pain. So it's kind of like an awkward dialogue that I do have. However, like most people kind of just forget about it. I remember it used to be kind of like the topic of discussion a lot and I used to get asked about it daily and that would really, really bother me. But now I don't really, I don't mind it at all. And I feel like I've learned how to turn the pain discussion into something productive and even like educational in a sense about spreading awareness and also kind of trying to fight the boundaries that like or the stereotype that pain chronic pain is like debilitating paralyzing and like everyone can see it and you can't do anything normal so I feel like for me I get asked about it a lot less now but still like those conversations come up 
the interesting thing about it is that if people knew me when I was in high school, they would just say like, oh, like if I were to talk to you, I would know about your pain in the first four seconds of a conversation. Like it would be, hey, I'm Brooke. I'm blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, 15 years old. Like, oh, by the way, like I have chronic pain. And now, I mean, sometimes I bring it up just because it's so integral to the work that I'm doing now as a um, clinical psychology graduate student, but also it's something I've become extremely passionate about. So I feel that I use it to the, my advantage that I can spread awareness about chronic pain, but also I'm always shocked about what people's um, misconceptions are about chronic pain, especially in adolescents and young adults. Um, so for me, like, those are like two stories I can totally relate to because Sophia, especially one where you said like that, like awkward dialogue you have with like people who you're like friends with now, who you weren't friends with, like while you were like in the midst of like the hardest part of your pain journey. And for me, that's something I really struggled with at first. Like my best friends now, like, like my five, like really close best friends, um, like the little group of us, I didn't tell them anything for like three months. I was like, they don't need to know anything. Um, because it was like my new group of friends, you know what I mean? Just like freshman year high school. And I didn't tell them anything till like maybe the beginning of the summer of like last year. And I just remember, cause it was like this moment where I was like on the stairs, I had like a little pain flare and I was like, oh my God, I gotta sit down. And everyone was like, are you okay? And I was finally like, okay, um, here's the deal. And it was this really awkward like conversation at first cause it was totally something I like kept in and didn't say anything about on purpose. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, these are my new friends. I don't want to be known as the one who like has like a medical condition and stuff like that. But now we're totally good with it. It's not something we talk about unless I feel like I need to. But it's like at first, I totally like understood what you're saying about that conversation with new people. It's so interesting that you say that because my therapist a few months ago, just I'm a senior in high school. I'm starting college in the fall. And my therapist asked me about talking about my pain in college and how I plan to do that and for some reason like my first immediate reaction was oh I'm not going to tell anyone this is a brand new start like no one needs to know like this is like a secret and then I immediately like checked myself about like why does it need to be a secret and actually the people that know about my pain and have proven to be well now that like we're close and like we've grown up and the people that I'm actually like genuinely close to they're incredibly supportive and they'll notice things that maybe I don't notice or will advocate for me maybe when I can't advocate for myself or don't think to advocate for myself. Like if we're in a larger group and we're doing a ton of walking, one of my good friends will be like, why don't we just like stop, get some coffee or something, like sit down for a second because walking for really, really long periods of time still is something that like aggravates my pain. And even if I don't feel it in the moment, like pretty much all the time if I walk a very long period of time that night I'll have a very bad pain flare so it's just like interesting how it's something that like even more recently I was so guarded towards and like have kind of shifted my perspective in a sense where like pain's not a bad word like it doesn't need to be something you're embarrassed about it doesn't need to be something that you shy away from talking about and it's crazy that I've gotten to the place now where I don't think of like having a pain conversation as something that's terrifying, but rather something that can be helpful or productive. 
Um, yeah. So I guess that brings me to my next question. How did you guys get to a place where talking about pain was no longer incredibly triggering or bothersome or anxiety inducing? Um, so that's a really great question. And honestly, sometimes it can be extremely anxiety inducing depending on who I talk to and depending on what the situation is. But for an example, um, kind of what Sophia was just saying a minute ago, I really wanted to go to college and have a fresh start. I went to college a year after I finished my pain rehab program. And for a very long time, I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Nobody's going to know. And then I realized that I wanted to use my story of resilience to really kind of educate people and talk to them like, yes, this is where I've been. This is not where I currently am. However, you kind of have that humility that you know how bad things can get and you know that things can get really difficult, but you also have that really powerful inner strength. Um, so for me, I really did not talk about pain for, I would say the first 12 months after my pain rehabilitation program, I was actually given a letter by the program to give to family and friends. Um, because it was majority of the time, it was my family who would like, not my immediate family, but extended family who would not necessarily respect my boundaries and would pry questions and would keep asking questions that I wasn't necessarily comfortable answering. Um, and I gave them a letter that the program typed out. They gave everybody the letter and I pretty much said, if you ask me how I am, I'm just going to say that I'm fine. And while I didn't really like that in the beginning, it really kind of took the focus away from my pain and really kind of gave the message to family that this is not necessarily the appropriate time to ask about it. I mean, I didn't want to be sitting at Thanksgiving and being asked questions about my pain, especially because chronic pain does um, run in my family some. So now I'm at a point where I'll pretty much talk about it to anyone about anything at any time. Like I'm very open about it. Um, but it did take me, I would say a few years after leaving my pain program to really kind of change the way that I discuss pain. Um, Brooke, like that, like whole, like fresh start idea, something I'm still like super like getting used to. Cause like my fresh start, I was like freshman year, you know, like high school, like my, cause my pain, like for the most part of it, like that specific part of my journey happened in eighth grade. So I was like, okay, I had quarantine. I learned how to manage it to the best of my abilities. Like I can do everything I want to do. So freshman year was like my, it was my fresh start. I wasn't going to tell anybody, um, and I really carried that into like my sophomore year, I think, um, people who weren't like my close friends. And once I kind of joined the board, like with you guys, it's become a little bit more easier to have this conversation like about pain. Cause it's something I'm still like working on. Like, like now, like when I'm out of the perspective, sort of like when I'm out of the middle of it, like now, like reflecting back, like that's where I'm having these conversations. And it's a little bit different, I think. And, um, like, it's so easy to talk about it with people, like, who have experienced chronic pain, because, like, everyone's just so understanding, 
but like sometimes even talking like just at school like if it comes up something like that I'm like am I being like a Debbie Downer like am I like making everyone else uncomfortable by talking about this and I've really had to like use us like thinking strategies of like this is a conversation like if you feel like it needs to be had like it can happen and if it's like super important to you so I really had to remind myself like a lot and that's strategy I've been continuing to use and it's been working for me for the past few months so really really changed something that has really helped me is kind of putting getting into the mindset that everybody has something everybody regardless if it's physical emotional situational everybody has their story and this is my story this is my story and it's really not something that I should be ashamed of and it's not something that I want to be ashamed of because the pain I feel like and kind of going through this whole transformative process has really made me into the person that I am today and I think that's really critical I mean I have some friends from the pain program who you can't even mention it around them and that's fine that's their choice but it's also really transformed me into a way that I have to get very used to talking about pain with many people because I that's how kind of I want to form my career into being a pain psychologist but also recognizing that this is an important part of my story and my life yeah and I think it's like incredibly important that people have these conversations with those around them because like you just said certain people don't want to talk about it and that's okay also as long as it works for them and it's healthy for them but other people like for me now like you both like we're talking about this in such productive way and that's what I think like is the really critical switch especially because Bridget I used to be the same way in the sense where I was like I literally don't want to talk about my pain because I feel like I'm being such a Debbie Downer and I'm just like bringing down the mood and everything like that. And I also kind of went through a period where I just kind of like mouth throw up like word vomit everywhere because I'd be like, oh my God, like I need to justify myself. I need to justify why I'm limping. I need to justify why I'm on crutches one day, why I'm not on crutches the next. I need to justify, I need to talk to that teacher who made a weird comment. I need to do this. I need to do that. And then I've kind of gotten to the place now where I really do see pain, like the discussion of pain as a choice and not a requirement. And this is my story. Brooke, like you were saying, like Everyone has their own story and because it's mine, I am in charge of who I get to tell and I can then mitigate what I tell to who and how much people should know. And if someone's consistently saying like behind my back, like, oh, I don't believe that that's real. Like I've never seen pain like that. And I've done the best of my ability to educate and like actually try and explain what's going on. It shouldn't be something that's causing so much turmoil in my brain because I can't control what other people think I know my pain's real my doctors know my pain's real and I've come to a place where like that's enough for myself and so now I see pain like this discussion as completely a choice and like like, I want to be here I want to be talking about this I want to be spreading awareness and I'm this isn't like an incredibly anxiety inducing conversation because I think it's so important that just like realizing 
you kind of, it's your story. So you get to dictate who you tell it to and how much you tell. And that can change with different people. Um, yeah, like, and like, even today, like I had a conversation, I was talking to like one of my best friends in biology and I was like, we were just talking about what we were doing like later. And he was like, aren't you recording your podcast tonight? And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And my biology teacher who like, I love, he's a great teacher. He was like, oh my gosh, you have a podcast. And he's like, what's it about? And I was telling him about it. And like, he responded in such a like good manner, like, cause I was like informing him about like my chronic pain and how I've like now turned it into like a way to help people. And it's something I'm like super passionate about. And like, it also like helped me realize that like, I'm like judging myself with this conversation, like more than people are judging me. Like, mm-hmm. like people, are, like people can actually be really understanding probably more than I give them credit for. And it's a lot of like my own anxiety. And I was like, after I was like, oh my God, like, look at that. Like, I, I just had that conversation and I felt so good about it afterwards. Um, so like, I think it's something that I've like definitely like improved upon a lot. But I also, it was a lot of like my own like inner feelings about the situation rather than other people. And like you said, Sophia, if somebody like doesn't respond in like a way you want them to, like, like in a like number of times, like you've given them a few chances to really understand your perspective, like you don't owe them anything. Yeah, that is like so well said because I was very worried about people believing that my pain was real and that was something that I struggled with for a very long time in high school that I was very worried that people would not believe that what I was going through was real or they would see me in school but leave early or they'd always see me at the nurse or like but then I kind of realized that they're they're not in any position to judge what I'm going through or what any person with a chronic illness is going through just as I wouldn't judge somebody else about what kind of situation they're dealing with because I'm not living in their body and I'm not living in their shoes. Um, And I think that that's something that once I realized that nobody can really take that away from me is that sense of power and that sense of, oh, I can share the story that I want to share. And I don't really care what they say. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't it doesn't move my needle in any capacity what they say because that's their problem. I feel like it's kind of taking ownership. Like it's taking some back, some power back from pain because I think I can speak for all of us when I say that pain definitely had some control over our lives at some point, whether it be a long period of time, whether it be a lot of control or a little, but I feel like now that I've like come to the place where I'm like, this is my story. It's mine. I have ownership of it and I get to decide what to do with it. And it's just so, I don't, I don't want to sound like cliche, but it's empowering. And it also makes me think of how like there are different people you're going to encounter and you're going to tell different people, different things. Um, depending on levels of closeness or comfort, I guess. So I want to ask you guys, like, how do you guys talk to friends or peers about pain? Um, so something I did originally, which has still really helped me, one of my favorite methods is I made myself a little chart, um, like with my um, psychologist. 
at Boston Children's and I we made like me a little chart of people who need to like what people need to know. So it was like this little bubble chart we'd fill in. So you had like one circle, like the inner circle, like like super close people, like people you're genuinely friends with, like you're super close, like the family that you want to know, like that you want them to know what's happening. And then you had like your middle circle who like, you know, your good school friends, like like sports friends, maybe um, people who you're like friends with, but they're not like like people you're genuinely close with and then like you just had the outer bubble of like people you just see at school like even just people in public like random people who will see you on crutches and be like are you okay and that like method of like categorizing people which sounds awful but like that method for me like really helped because I'd come up with like little things to say to like each group of people um like things I rehearsed in my head um about like who needs to know what um and then like what do I say to them and that strategy really helped me and like some people have like bounced back and forth like in between those categories as time goes on but there are people I've gone to school with for years who I've just like used the same strategy with them every time yeah I remember I actually filled out that exact same chart when I so was did I in- <laughs> in um, my pain program. And that was something that was extremely beneficial. Um, I mean, every time I kind of enter a new stage in my life, I always kind of go through this whole, okay, like I'm not going to tell people I'm going to not even use accommodations. I'm going to really just try to like pretend to be like everyone else. But then I also like a couple weeks into the year, I'm always just like, all right, this is not working out so great. I probably should advocate for myself. Um, I always kind of tell people when, when it's a good friend, they'll kind of know, um, like some of my best friends, they'll pretty much like, they'll know if they don't hear from me for a little while, or they'll, they'll know, like if I'm just acting a little different, but most people won't know. And I definitely have learned that people, don't pay as close attention as you think they are. Um, But most of the time I've really kind of talked to friends about it. Like, oh, like I literally will say like, I have chronic full body pain. I have had it for many years. Um, I went to a pain rehabilitation program. That's why I need to do X, Y, and Z. Or like sometimes people make little comments like, oh, Brooke, you're always working out or why do you go to bed so early or even just like little things that they don't bother me anymore, but they used to. And then I'll be like, Oh, like I just have to do it to manage my chronic pain. And it usually ends at that. Yeah. And another thing, like for me, this is like kind of a different bubble, but like teachers, I used to get so annoyed with repeating myself all the time about what I'm going through, what I need, blah, 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 blah. And now I actually have no problem with it and have no problem advocating for myself and having these conversations however many times they need to be had. However, especially when I was at the beginning part of like managing my chronic pain and actually like trying to set plans and things like that, having a point person at school was so, so beneficial because then I didn't need to repeat myself over and over again. And I mean, I was in middle school quite frankly, because nobody or 
at least not enough people know enough about chronic pain to understand what it looks like, how it might affect your work ethic, how it might affect the quality of work you produce, why you might need accommodations like getting up to stretch in the middle of a test and things like that. Having a point person at school helped me do that and like kind of talk to my teachers for me was so, so beneficial. So like I didn't always used to talk to my teachers, but now I do. And I don't know. Yeah. I I found it very difficult, quite frankly, in high school to talk to teachers just because I was really trying to figure out what was going on. And it took me so long to actually figure out what was going on that I, it was oh, like every four or five weeks, it was like a new doctor, a new plan kind of. But then once I went to the pain rehabilitation program, I really kind of got like a two second script, figured it out um, in, in college actually. I would go up to my professors at the end of my first class with them. And I would just be like, yeah, hi. Like, I just want to introduce myself. Um, I'm still working on sending over to you my formal accommodation plan. Um, I don't suspect it being an issue, but in case it does, this is what I will do, such as like, I'll email them. I will um, kind of file something with like the Office of Disability Services and really kind of advocating for yourself before you need to advocate has been probably one of the most beneficial things I do. Um, I've just found teachers and professors are way more accommodating if you tell them before there is a problem than when there's when you're in the thick of a problem. Brooke, that's like something I totally agree with. And like one of the biggest lessons I've taken away from like this entire situation is like learning to advocate for yourself. It's like one of the biggest things. Um, it took me like, like my parents, like they obviously didn't do everything for me, but like they were my parents, you know what I mean? Like that, like that was their job when I was like 12, 13 years old. And now I just like, it feels weird to have my parents do anything. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like to have them like email a teacher for me, like when it's not at that point yet. So I think advocating myself for myself in like all aspects of life has been like huge, not just with like pain but with like school and sports and all that stuff and you kind of feel better if you do it yourself too it's like like I just did this like um you like it, it makes you feel like a little bit grown up a little bit more mature and it also just establishes like a healthier relationship I think if you like Brooke said like are the one to go to like your teacher first and say because like they'll appreciate that because so many teachers just get frustrated I think when kids come with problems at the last minute mm -hmm. um so I think it just makes it'll like end up bettering your own situation if you like advocate for yourself that actually brings me to a question do you guys talk about pain differently with your parents or family than you do like friends or other people like where do they fall on your talking about pain cheat because for me now we only talk about it when I bring it up because they kind of know not to ask but for a while like pain consumed every single conversation in my house so much so that we literally didn't like my doctors were like no no this is not gonna work like no talking about pain at all so we just like didn't talk about pain um yeah so I had the same situation where pain was like literally all we talked about for three, four years. 
And then once I went to the pain rehab program, I really, they were like, yeah, you're not going to talk about it. And that, like, I remember being like, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? Like, I have nothing else to say. But then I, the only time, honestly, like my family and I talk about pain is usually if we're talking about something that happened and I was very fortunate that I had a very positive experience at the pain rehab program. Um, so we'll talk about that or we'll talk about like, if we talk to some certain people that we were with and like, sometimes like my mom will still keep in touch with a few of the parents and I still keep in touch with a few of the kids. So like, I'll be like, Oh, I heard from this person today. Um, but yeah, my mom, dad, sister, like nobody ever like unsolicited is like, Oh, Brooke, by the way, how's your pain today? Like that has not been even like a question in almost six years. Yeah. I think that's like one of the most, like, like one of the biggest differences you see after you like learn to manage your pain in like the healthiest way possible for you. It's like, it's not like that lingering conversation cloud if that makes sense it's not like that conversation topic that you just directly go to like me and my parents only talk about it really when like I feel like I am having like an issue and I need to bring it up or sometimes we'll just be like weirdly nostalgic about it it'll Mm -hmm. be like March 2022 and it's like think about what we were doing like two years ago like you couldn't walk it's like look at you now Uh Mm uh-huh and they're like look at how you've grown as a person like because of this whole situation and it tends to be in a very like positive manner now I think whereas comparing it to like just two years ago it was just like this dark negative energy cloud I guess like that just but there was nothing else to like talk about like that was really like who you were and it was like and your parents obviously feel the need to care for you. So like asking, like, how are you doing? And like all that stuff just comes so naturally to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just this big like shift. But now it's it, like we do look back on it in like a positive way. It's like think about like, like you said, Sophia, like how far you've come. It's really interesting because if somebody was to ask me seven, eight years ago, how are you? I would be like, OK, my pain is this level today. That would be how I would respond now it's not even something that would cross my mind and I vividly remember driving in the car with my mom I must have been 14 or 15 years old this was at the really really early beginning stages of my journey and I had a doctor tell me oh like just try to only talk about the pain like twice a week and I wasn't like a huge fan of how she put like a, a quantity on it. However, I was like, how am I supposed to do this? Like, how am I supposed to only talk? Like, how am I supposed to not talk about it all the time if I'm in pain 24 seven and now like realizing how important it is to not necessarily dwell on it and ruminate about it 24 seven is so psychologically beneficial. It's also crazy to me because I used to think if I didn't talk about my pain, it wasn't real enough. And that if I didn't talk about my pain, like people would forget about it. People would forget everything that I'm going through. And like, I needed some external validation that like, this is hard and people recognize it's hard. And it's such a hard cycle to break because while that's valid, like you want your feeling, no one wants to feel invalidated. But 
talking about it all the time makes you think about it all the time and gives pain even more power. And I think like that's something that I struggled with a lot and something that actually like really, really helped with that was like journaling about it because then you're still like, you're kind of validating yourself in a way where like you're putting it down on paper, you're making it tangible, you're making, you're seeing that your feelings are real and concrete and tangible, I guess. I just said tangible, but still. And instead, like it's not consuming your brain in such a way and like consuming your household. And I don't know, that's something that was a really, really hard shift for me also. 100%. That's something I like totally agree with. And honestly, I think my mom did more of it than I did with the journaling stuff because she was always big on that. But she was like, yes, I can get into it now. <laughs> um, especially like after the comfortability, I think where my parents were like told like, don't have this conversation with your kid like 24 seven because all it's going to do is like remind them of their pain and like what they're feeling. So like, I think like my mom really got into like journaling. It was her way of um that was like her outlet for it, I think. And for me personally, like I didn't realize like what the pain conversation was about and like how to like tone it down um, until I went to therapy. That was what really helped me was um, psychology therapy. And it was, and now it's shifted from like, it used to be like the pain conversation in like a negative way. And now it's the pain conversation in a positive way. And that's why I can have conversations more now but in like the thick of it, that was like what was really like reminding me of my pain 24 seven. And like you said, um, Sophia, that's what like make like can make your pain like hurt, like can make you hurt even more. So it's like that shift from like the negative talking about it to like the positive talking about it now. Yeah. And it's been really, um, I think also having a new relationship with myself after the pain rehab program really has been beneficial. I started doing um, journaling and yoga and really just a lot of um, introspection and um, meditation and mindfulness. And that really helped me form a new relationship with myself and kind of realize, okay, like you can have pain. The pain doesn't necessarily have to mean something's wrong. It's not always a bad thing. And like really kind of take things step 20 steps back. Whereas a few years earlier, if I was in pain for like a week, I would end up at the emergency room. Yeah. I think like the entire, even like with the pain conversation and like the way I've looked at it over the years, I think it's just such a telltale sign of growth and how far we've all come. And like the pain conversation for me was a very hard adjustment because I felt as though it kind of, flooded all aspects of my life social academic family and now it's not something that I like get super worried about because I know like I know in my own self that my pain's real I don't need to justify it to other people and it's a conversation that I can have if I want to but I'm not required to on behalf of the Comfortability Program, I want to thank Sophia, Fiona, Brooke, Bridget, and Katie for their incredible work in writing, producing, and recording this amazing podcast. We are so lucky to have the privilege of learning from you and working with you on the Comfortability Peer Advisory Board. I am also so grateful to my Comfortability team, especially Dr. Amy Hale, who provided support and guidance to the Peer Board and staff 
throughout the project. Thanks to Dr. Hale, we all got a little zippier and felt a lot more confident. I also wanna thank the Department of Anesthesia, Critical Care and Pain Medicine at Boston Children's for supporting this work and the team at Open Pediatrics for the podcast post-production. Finally, a shout out of gratitude to our strong and growing network of dedicated partner sites in the US, Canada, and Australia. If you're looking for more great science-backed information about managing chronic pain, check out our website, thecomfortability.com. We've got lots of helpful resources online, including information about how to find a comfortability workshop near you. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to help the comfortability program grow so we can continue to support young people with pain, please consider a tax-deductible donation to the comfortability program through Boston Children's Hospital. How do you donate? It's easy. Just go to our website, thecomfortability.com, and look for the donation button in the upper right-hand corner. For more great content, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at The Comfortability across all social media. Finally, I just want to say I'm so happy you tuned in to listen today. I know I speak for myself, our peer advisory board, and the Comfortability team when I say, 